Abide with me, crown him with many crowns, hark the herald angels sing. Have you ever wondered why our beloved hymns were written? The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for February is Eternal Anthems, the story behind your favorite hymns, Volume 2. Learn more at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. This new resource includes background on 50 hymns, Eternal Anthems, the story behind your favorite hymns, Volume 2. Great service, the Creed by William Byrd, the Talus Scholars, and Peter Phillips. Those words, who for us men and for our salvation, right there in the heart of the second article of the Nicene Creed. Those two little words, for us, are very big, in fact. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Live on this Monday afternoon, February the 6th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to be continuing our series on the Nicene Creed, Part 3, with Pastor Will Whedon of the Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Then we're going to spend some time with Delano Squires of the Heritage Foundation discussing progressive civil rights and abortion. We'll round everything off. Looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary, the sixth Sunday after Epiphany, Pastor Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, will be alongside. Pastor Will Whedon is Assistant Pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois. He formerly served as Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, author of the books, Celebrating the Saints, Thank, pray, serve, and obey, and see my Savior's hands. And he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, welcome back. Thank you, Todd. Joy to be with you. Just a little preview of where we've been before we get into those small words that have enormous importance for us. Sure. Well, you know, we had just entered the second article in our last study. And as we entered it, we saw that the beginning of the article was very concerned with a clear confession of the who the Lord Jesus is. And the who we saw finally came down to a single word, which, well, in Greek, a single word, which St. Athanasius convinced the council of Nicaea to adopt and to insert in the creed. And that was homoousius, that, that the son, he truly is of the same essence being substance as the father that what the father is that is the, such is the son and uh in that way he is truly god 
of God, light of light, very God of very God. And the big expression that we learned there was begotten, not made. In other words, he is eternally born of the Father, but not in such a way that there was ever a time when he wasn't. His birth is an eternal birth from the Father. The Father has always had this, his beloved Son, who is begotten of him. I use the word birth there. It's interesting that in German, that's what the small catechism does. Born of the Father from eternity and born of the Virgin Mary. It doesn't actually try to make a distinction between begotten and born. So we begin another relative clause, as they say in grammar school, who for us men and our salvation. Mm -hmm. Talk about those words. So what we're getting into here, since we've now met who Jesus is, now we're going to say, okay, so what are the actions that he's done? And yet before we consider the actions he's done, we're first given the why and the for whom he did it. So for whom first? Who for us men, ton dihemas tus anthropus. So this is not the word like male. This is the word for people, right? Who for us human beings is the idea there. So he is the one who did what he did for absolutely everyone. Think about Isaiah 45, verse 22. God cries out through the prophet, Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Turn to me and be saved all of you. Uh, similarly, you think about Ezekiel thirty-three eleven, where he could not have expressed himself any clearer. As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. You think about the very clear confession of St. Paul, 1 Timothy 2 verse three and four, he says, this is good, the prayer for everybody. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And similarly, second Peter three, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness. He is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance which all, I guess, could be summarized in two scripture passages. First of all, John 3.16, from the mouth of our Lord himself, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And Titus 2.11, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. When the church altogether makes the confession that Jesus Christ is, did what he did for us men and for our salvation. We're saying there's not a single human being out there for whom this great deed of salvation did not take place. It was for you. It was for me. It was for us all. No one has the right to write themselves out of it, which is why in probably the most famous Christmas homily ever delivered by St. Leo the Great in Rome, he proclaimed, nobody is allowed to be sad today because this is life's birthday. He did this for you. Everything that he did, he did for you. So nobody is allowed to have sorrow in their heart today because life has come to set you free. It's a beautiful homily. 
But now we need to deal with the expression, who for us men, and well, I mean, we should also add, obviously, Lutherans have always found in the little words for us, the very heart of the gospel, or for you, the very heart of the gospel itself, when God presents to you a gift. And that's what is going to be listed out here in all of the deeds which Jesus does. They're all a gift which he's giving to you. At Christmas, under the tree, you got all the little tags, and they'll say, right, for and from. So that's what the creed is doing here. It's saying this is for you, and it's for every last human being there is, and it's from your God. But what's it for? Who for us men and for our salvation? Boy, there is sometimes a tendency in English to forget how tied that word in Greek is to the idea of healing, right? Um, how many times can you think of it in the New Testament where you just don't know? What, should you translate that as your faith has saved you? Or should you translate that as your faith has healed you or has made you well? Which one is it? Well, I think the original confessors of our Nicene Creed they wouldn't have understood that you had to choose between the two because to them, the idea of saving literally means healing. And if some Lutherans can be a little bit allergic to the language of healing, it is very important to note that that language is found not just here in the Nicene Creed, it's actually affirmed in other places in our uh, Lutheran confessions, I think of Article 2 of the Augsburg Confession. What is concupiscence called? It's called a disease, right? And Christ comes to heal this disease. Formula of Concord says, furthermore, human nature, which is perverted and corrupted by original sin, must and can be healed only by the regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. However, the healing is only begun in this life. It's not going to be perfect until the life to come. So the idea of salvation as actually God fixing what's wrong with us is very important. Christ came to actually restore human nature. If we can sort of take a sideline on this, do you remember in, in Ezekiel and the Valley of Dry Bones, right? Do you remember it was a twofold action? First of all, he was told to prophesy over the bones, to speak the word over them. And what happened when he spoke the word over the bones? Their human natures, if you will, were reconstituted. But then you also needed the spirit to come and enliven those natures. And so the, he had to prophesy to the wind, to the breath, to the spirit, to come and fill those who were slain. I think you see in that the twofold act of God toward our salvation, that is Jesus restores our human nature and the Holy Spirit then will save individual human persons by granting them faith in what Christ did in restoring human nature. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. It's our series on the Nicene Creed. We're dealing with those words, who for us men and for our salvation. Well, next he comes down from heaven and is incarnate. Stay tuned.
Several Issues Etc. regular guests are candidates for leadership positions in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has received nomination forms for the president and vice presidents of synod. Please encourage your pastor and congregational leaders to fill out and return these nomination forms before February 28th of 2023. Learn more at issuesetc.org 2023 nominations. issuesetc.org 2023 nominations. Does this sound like your church budget process at the end of the year? You get last year's budget and go through with a committee line by line, maybe what we should spend next year. Maybe you have a prayer. But where's the word of God in this process? When do the people hear what the small catechism says about giving and why we do it? Contact us at LCMS Stewardship so that we can help you fix this process, put the word of God first, and put your congregation on a good fitting. LCMS.org stewardship. All theology is Christology. You're listening to Issues Etc. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Holy Cross Lutheran Church, Moline, Illinois, invites you to join us in receiving the Lord's gifts in word and sacrament. Sunday services are at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. with Bible class and Sunday school at 9.30 a.m. We are located in the Quad Cities at 4107 21st Avenue, Moline, Illinois. Welcome in the name of our Lord. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. He's author of the book Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. Find out more about these books on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org by calling Concordia Publishing House, 1-800-325-3040. It's part three of our weekly series on the Nicene Creed. So, not to move too quickly beyond those very important words about salvation, it says, came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary. Yeah, and what's kind of curious is at this point in the creed, liturgically speaking, you sometimes see a ceremony take place. In the parish where I'm a member, the pastor and his assistants will all hit their knees at uh, you know who came down from heaven, and they stay on them all the way through and was made man, at which point they then stand up again. I kind of would like to let Luther have his say on this because he's so funny. It's really great. Luther says first that it would still be proper and appropriate to kneel at the words and was made man to listen with happy hearts to the message that the divine majesty abased himself and became like us poor bags of worms and to thank God for the ineffable mercy and compassion reflected in the incarnation of the deity. That's beautiful. And then he, he gives a very funny story, just a few pages on in the same document. This is his commentary on St. John, the first chapter. He writes, The following tale is told about a coarse and brutal lout, 
while the words and was made man were being sung in the church, he remained standing, neither genuflecting nor removing his hat. He showed no reverence, but just stood there like a clod. All the others dropped to their knees while the Nicene Creed was prayed and chanted devoutly. Then the devil stepped up to him and hit him so hard it made his head spin. He cursed him gruesomely and said, May hell consume you, you boorish ass. If God had become an angel like me and the congregation sang, God was made an angel, I would not bend only my knees but my whole body to the ground. Yeah, I would crawl ten L's down into the ground. And you, vile human creature, you stand there like a stick or a stone. You hear that God did not become an angel but a man like you, and you just stand there like a stick of wood. Now, whether this story is true or not, it is nevertheless in accord with the faith, with the analogy of faith. He's referring to Romans twelve six there. With this illustrative story, the Holy Fathers wish to admonish the youth to revere the indescribably great miracle of the incarnation. They wanted us to open our eyes wide and ponder these words well. So, I read that to me is just such a, uh, a, a, a choice little bit. So after we hear that he came down from heaven, we have to ask, where does this language come from? And one of the first places we hear is from the lips of Christ himself. Do you remember he said this in John 6, verse 38? He said, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So make no mistake about it, that the Son comes down from heaven is Jesus' own confession of himself. And just a little later in the same chapter, he's going to say it again in a slightly different way. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So come down from heaven is clearly tied to taking on a human nature, becoming flesh for us. The expression you read there from our version of the creed is slightly different in the Greek. And was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary. And the original is, and was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. And we need to deal with that in peace. So first of all, incarnate. And sarkotheta is it in Greek there. So uh, you hear sarks there, flush, right? In Latinate languages, we say incarnate. And when you hear carnate, you should think like, do you like chili con carne, Todd? I do. I mean, I do too. And chili con carne is chili with Meat. 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 And yes, that really is the idea. The incarnation is the in-meatment of God. It's it's his taking on flesh like we have, as Dr. Nagel once famously proclaimed it. He becomes the what's sitting on your chair. Yeah, he becomes meat for us, human flesh and blood. And uh, we have this clearly confessed, of course, and the verses that Luther was actually commenting on in those earlier quotes. John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, 
the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Big word there is, the Word actually became flesh. Said another way, like in Hebrews 2, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So that's the way St. Athanasius himself put this in his wonderful little book on the Incarnation, is that the, the, the Son takes on flesh precisely so that he can die, and by dying, destroy the power of death over his people, right out of that Hebrews 2 passage. Similarly, of course, St. Paul proclaims in Romans 1, verse 3, concerning his son, the gospel concerns his son, who was descended from David, there's that phrase again, according to the flesh, so according to his incarnation. Now, we're very blessed in the gospels to have two accounts given to us of this moment of all moments before it actually transpires. First of all, the angel appears and speaks to Joseph in his dream. And the angel says, this is Matthew 1, verse 20, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. There we have a clear confession that the Virgin Mary and the Holy Spirit together did this thing, and the operative power was the Holy Spirit who performed the miracle in the body of the Virgin. Similarly, in Luke 1, we have the account of the Annunciation. And if it's, is it okay if I just read the whole account? Because I think it's really important to get how the Nicene Creed here just summarizes exactly what the Scripture teaches. So, verse 26 of chapter 1 of Luke, in the sixth month, sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, oh, there's that bad translation, greetings, uh, more likely rejoice, O favorite one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever of his kingdom. There will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, ah. Again, bad translation. How will this be since I am a virgin? Literally, how will this be since I do not know a man? Verse 35, the angel answered her, and here we go, right into the creed. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, Elizabeth, your relative in her old age, has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God, or maybe alternatively, it's not possible for any word of God to fail. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So there you have it, that Mary is able to conceive a son 
in her virginity by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, who overshadows her womb, moving over her the waters of her womb as the Spirit moved over the waters at the beginning to bring forth life. So he's bringing forth this new human life inside of her. And then we have the expression, and was made man. You can hear it in the Greek. In anthropesata. So he is in man, just like he's incarnate, he is in man, another way of saying that. Jesus then assumes into his divine person for all eternity, this human nature, a certain mass of humanity, which he makes peculiarly his very own, and through which he is going to perform the great work of our salvation. So if you think about this, Todd, how is Jesus like us and how is he different from us then? Well, he's like us in that he shares a human nature like you and I have, but he's unlike us in that first he's conceived without sin by the Holy Spirit. And so there is no original sin in him. And second, unlike us, he has from the incarnation forward two natures to his one person. We have one person, one nature. He has two natures joined together in his one person. So we hear in Hebrews 2, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He becomes like his brother in every respect, of course, except for sin, in order to make propitiation. He's doing what he does to get to the cross. And so we hear in Hebrews 4 also, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has in every respect been tempted as we are and yet is without sin. We're talking with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever as we go through part three of our weekly series on the Nicene Creed. We will take up, was crucified also for us, there's those two words again, under Pontius Pilate. Abide with me, crown him with many crowns, hark the herald angels sing. Have you ever wondered why our beloved hymns were written? The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for February is Eternal Anthems, the story behind your favorite hymns, Volume 2. Learn more at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. This new resource includes background on 50 hymns, Eternal Anthems, the story behind your favorite hymns, Volume 2. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we dig further into St. Luke's Gospel with woes to Pharisees and lawyers, the leaven of the Pharisees, no fear, the rich fool, and do not be anxious. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Christ-centered, cross-focused, You're listening to Issues Etc. 
Did you know that Luther Academy has been providing continuing education for confessional Lutheran pastors and lay people worldwide for more than 20 years? Luther Academy promotes confessional Lutheran theology through conferences, scholarly exchanges, and publications like Logia, the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatic Series, and Luther Digest. Find out more about Luther Academy and sign up for their free email newsletter at lutheracademy.com. lutheracademy.com. What is mental health? The February issue of The Lutheran Witness takes up this question of mental health with contributions from the LCMS Task Force on Mental Health, which is tasked with providing resources for Lutheran church workers to better care for their own mental health and those entrusted to their care. To pick up your copy, visit cph.org witness or visit our website witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's our series on the Nicene Creed with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, before we go on to the crucifixion as it's confessed here in the Creed, someone might ask, we go from birth <laughs> to death yeah. and nothing in between? When I talk to the kids about this, same thing in the Apostles' Creed, right? Oh, we say, there was a life in there, guys. There was a life in there. And yet the Creed never lets you lose track of this, that the point of his coming into the flesh wasn't really fulfilled in that life. Said another way, if the incarnation gets salvation done, you don't yet have the doctrine proclaimed in the New Testament. The incarnation was for the accomplishment of salvation, and that salvation is going to reach its pinnacle upon the cross. It's going to be the suffering and death of Christ and then his resurrection from the dead that will bring salvation to its fullness. So the creed basically goes from birth, it skips from Christmas to Holy Week. Yes, it does. And uh, I just want to note that that's kind of the way all the creeds work, that when they sum it up, they who he is, the question of, of, of who he is and that he became flesh and that he became flesh in order to die becomes really huge. And by the way, maybe I should add this in there too. In the German mass, Luther paraphrased the creed. I mean, sometimes he gets criticized for this, but I just think sometimes his his paraphrase is so tight and beautiful. It's really great. So the words we just considered, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost to the Virgin Mary and was made man. This in Luther's version reads, born of Mary, virgin mother, by the power of the spirit, word made flesh our elder brother that the lost might life inherit. <laughs> it's hard to imagine a tighter little paraphrase of the confession of the Nicene Creed. So now let's move on to what the creed has been pushing us toward. By the way, did you notice that too? If you're reading the gospel, if you're reading the gospels, it doesn't, especially like Mark, it's like it's on a race to get you to Holy Week. And once it gets you to Holy Week, everything slows down. And now you get to see the, you know, in slow motion, what takes place there. I think it's been called the passion story with a preface. <laughs> you know, that's really what the gospels are. They're passion stories with extended prefaces. So, and was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. Let's try to think about that. Notice that in the first sort of biblical version of the creed we have, 1 Corinthians 15, it reads like this. St. Paul says, I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. 
So what's the connection between crucified for us and crucified for our sins? You know from the rest of St. Paul's theology, he's going to say that Christ on the cross was a propitiatory atoning sacrifice for our sins, but that's offered so that our sins might be forgiven us and his righteousness, his perfect obedience to the law might be credited to us. We also read then in St. Paul, like in Romans 5, 8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, in other words, when we were not reconciled to him, Christ died for us. There it is again, crucified for us, Christ died for us. He's doing it on our behalf. That's the meaning of for us there. Same thing in 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. In other words, the action itself, which Christ did, it's actually credited and counted to us. Similarly, 1 Thessalonians 5.10, Christ died for us so that whether we wake or sleep, we might live with him. Why did Christ die for us? So that we could live his resurrection life by faith now and finally also in our bodies. And of course, you don't want to just skip over the crucified either. That's really huge, especially in St. Paul. You know, think about 1 Corinthians 1. We preach Christ crucified, this stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. And the way he would say in the next chapter of that book, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Or the way he would say in Galatians 3 verse 1, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And then I just got to throw in here before we, you know, wrap up today. Crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. That is so important. It anchors everything that we confess in the Christian gospel to history, to a specific place and a specific time. It is not some eternal myth. It actually happened and that makes it be different. A lot of times when kids go off to college, they're confronted almost right away with this whole idea of, ah, you know, the story of Jesus. They're, 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 those things are a dime a dozen, the dying, rising God, the corn gods. They, they populate the entire Mediterranean world at the time, right? And everybody knows this. But what separates them from the stories of the gospel is that if you ask, when did Osiris die? There is no answer to that question. It doesn't even have a meaning. It's a myth that tries to tell you an eternal truth of some sort. Whereas the Christian gospel is, no, he actually was put to death under this particular Roman governor at a particular time in history. And he was raised by God from the dead three days after being crucified. We'll have to get into it more next time, but th there's an old saying that, in heathenism, the world was prepared for salvation, whereas in Judaism, salvation was prepared for the world. We'll unpack that. It's a C.S. Lewis saying, actually, I think, but it's very right on. I'm just curious with well, just a couple minutes here. Yeah. You know, there have been tr attempts to try and say, well, you know, these things, I'm thinking in a particular 19th century attempts by liberal Bible scholars to say, these things happened, but they happened in a it's called salvation history as opposed to the real history. In German, it was Geschichte rather than history. Someone says, God is God. Why does it matter that it really actually occurred at a particular place 
under a particular Roman ruler at a particular time. The entirety of the Christian gospel would collapse if it did not actually happen the way that the gospels relate it, that there was a real human man who shared our own flesh and blood, who actually went into death and came out of death alive again. And then they tell us what that means for us. This means that God has forgiven the sins of the world, that we are reconciled to him, that we can have an eternal life being joined to this Jesus Christ. Everything hangs on it actually having happened. And so there is no uh, way to sort of mythologize your way around it. But the ancient myths sort of are like humanity's innate longing for what God finally did deliver, but delivered in a very different and surprising way. We can definitely spend a lot more time on that when we pick up next time. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's author of the books, Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Pray, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. And he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Pastor Whedon is leading a study this week on Beware of the Leaven of the Pharisees, Have No Fear, Acknowledge Christ Before Men, The Parable of the Rich Fool, and Do Not Be Anxious in Luke chapters 11 and 12. Listen at your convenience at thewordendures.org, the LPR mobile app, or your favorite podcast provider. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. Will, thank you very much. Hey, thank you, Todd. Delano Squires joins us on the other side of the break from the Heritage Foundation. We're going to talk with him about progressive civil rights and abortion. Then we'll look forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary with Pastor Sean Denzer. You can meet and hear journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway, LCMS President Matt Harrison, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelioni, Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy, and Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. For more information, visit issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. Save the date. The 2023 Lutherans for Life National Conference is October 11th through 13th at the Holiday Inn Cincinnati Airport in Erlanger, Kentucky, with visits to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. Look for more information in early 2023 at lutheransforlife.org conference. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Lutheransforlife.org. Listen to what you want, when you want. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press is a family-run publisher of classical Christian education materials for homeschools and private schools. Every page of the Memoria Press curriculum leads students to a mastery of content, an understanding of the classical heritage of the Christian West, and an appreciation of truth, goodness, and beauty. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. memoriapress.com. For your next family vacation, consider Our Beach House. 
a charming three-bedroom vacation rental on beautiful Siesta Key. Just off Sarasota, Florida, Siesta Key Beach, consistently voted America's best, is just 100 steps away. Whether you're watching the sunset over the Gulf of Mexico or frolicking in the warm surf, you and your family will fall in love with Siesta Key. Check us out at SiestaKeyRentalGenie.com or call Virginia at 941-266-1858.